And welcome back in Stripe Show Podcast. Another year. It's 2021. Thanks, goodness. And EGA Tour, of course, firing the engines back up. They're going to be back at it this week. And moving on out to Hawaii. We have the Century Tournament of Champions this week. Big field, 42. We're going to get into that here on uh, today's episode. And then, of course, they move over to the Sony Open. I am jacked to see the PGA Tour is back. And, you know, they get to Hawaii. And uh, there's a guy that uh, knows a thing or two about golf in Hawaii. And he also knows a thing or two about golf when it comes to the PGA Tour. He's, He's one of the best at it. He's on the grounds out there. He's lived in Maui now, I think, pushing for 40 years. He joins us today, Stripe Show podcast, Mark Rolfing. Mark, thanks for uh, joining me. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on the Stripe Show, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I, I don't remember a year where the transition from one year to another was more striked than what we've just seen in the last <laughs> few days here. I think everybody wants to turn the page, so there's a lot of excitement about getting the new year started. Turn the page. Give us some positivity. Give us some sun little bit of wind we need some of those beautiful shots of the ocean elevation changes right all these things make up the uh, plantation course at Kapalua I know you've been there for many many years and it was actually Mark it was the first design of uh, Crenshaw and Court right and they've of course have done so many since then when I think of the course and I've never been there but when I watch it you know you, of course you, the ocean views the the elevation changes to me, Mark, you, know, you got the big fairways. It seems like there's a, a premium on, on wedge play here, that approach wedge play. Of course, you've got to make some putts. But you look at the guys that have won here. Give me some distance. Give me that good wedge play into it. Let me have a good putting week. And uh, I like our chances. Explain to my audience, for those that haven't been there, what this golf course is like and, and maybe who it favors you think this week in the field. Well, first of all, Travis, it's it's massive in size. Um, the, the total acreage is over 500, which is enormous. Uh, You've got to be the biggest on the PGA Tour. Uh, the elevation change goes from, I'm going to say, about 40 feet at the second green to uh, probably 600 feet at the 17th tee. So everything in scale is massive, and that's why... Uh, when we put together the core Crenshaw team, wow, 30 years ago now, um, you know, the first thing that they said to me uh, after we decided they were going to be the architects was the features have to be huge. Mm. Um, so that's why you see the wide fairways. You see a, a lot of very large bunkers, large greens. If you put anything small on that property, it's going to look fake it's going to look you know stupid uh you, you got to have big features because it is a big piece of property um the one thing is and this, and this has become kind of a point in the tv it's not the masters by any means it's not augusta national but i think in terms of appointment tv for people starting the year by watching the plantation course is something they've kind of gotten used to and and the one thing that they're now very used to uh, watching golf from the plantation is that the whole is almost never the target up mm. there. You, you know, guys who aim shots at the hole are going to end up a long way from the hole when the ball's finished. Um, your target is always some other place uh, that, that you're aiming, and then the ball, uh, by nature of the ground and the and the wind and, and the grain and everything, are going to take the ball to uh, where you want it to end up. Um, 
it, it's interesting. On paper, you would think it favors a big hitter, um, but I think your wedge play thought is a really, really good one. You, you look at some guys that have won here that aren't big hitters, like Furyk, like Zach Johnson. Um, yeah, I mean, hitting the ball a long way certainly is an advantage. It's, it's the same advantage every week on the PGA Tour, I think. But um, I like the good wedge players here. David Duvall came out and won the first Mercedes championships, as it was called back then, you know, primarily with his iron play. That was in 1999. And, yeah, you've got to get the ball in the right spot on these greens because I don't care how good a putter you are. If you're in the wrong spot putting, you're going to have problems. Talk to me about the greens. Are they? Do they run a little bit slower than what the guys are used to? Um, like what are the surfaces, the speed? And then, you know, maybe the forecast this week and how the wind is going to factor in. Yeah, I was up there yesterday and Mike Crawford, the head of the PGA Tour agronomy staff, was out. And I spent some time with him up on the back nine talking about green speeds. They were 10 yesterday on the stint meter, which sounds slow. uh, But when you have the kind of slope and the elements that you have up there, 10 is not really slow. and, and I still believe that they, they probably don't quite tell us this, but I still believe that some of the greens are prepared a little differently than the others because there's a few greens up there that are, are much more severely sloped than others. And I don't see, for example, how you could have the same speed uh, of the green at number 10 uh, as you might have at number 11, the next hole, which is a much flatter green. The, the greens are tough. Uh, you can't get them any faster. I, I would expect if we see the weather forecast the way it looks, which is going to be windy, a uh, few passing showers, I think 10 and a half is max. But 10 and a half here uh, on a downhill, downwind, downgrain putt effectively is probably 12 and a half or 13 on a stint meter. Hmm. Let's, talk about, let's talk about Justin Thomas, who uh, has played very well here. He's a defending champion, of course, back uh, – he won the three-hole playoff there with uh, Patrick Reed and uh, and Xander Shoffley. He also won here back in 2017. He was 22 under 2017, 14 under last year. I look at Justin Thomas, Mark. He's the number three ranked player uh, in the world. His driving, he's got enough length. I think he's... Eliminated for the most part, some of the bigger foul balls, beautiful iron player. I think you could argue maybe his best iron game uh, ball striking of his career last year. He was number one in strokes gain approach. We know that he's improved his approach wedge play, which is key here. And I think now as I kind of, you know, talk to some of the guys in his camp, he's trying to smooth out maybe some of the inconsistencies of his putting. He can get real hot. We know that and go low. And then sometimes the putter can go away where he starts losing four or five strokes gain to the field. When you look at JT coming into this year, 13 wins, one major, what do you think he needs to do to get back to that number one spot? Cause you know, it's in his head. He, he wants to get back to that number one spot in the world past John Rom in DJ. Where does he need to go or improve upon to get there? Actually, I think he needs to kind of just keep doing what he is doing, which is to steadily improve every year. If you take a look at at when Thomas came out, he's a completely different player than he was Mm -hmm. 
um, you know, a number of years ago. He, he and Jordan Spieth came out at the same time. And you know what happened with Jordan? He, he became an instant superstar, uh, winning right away at very young age. And uh, it was a long time. Thomas was kind of in his shadow and sort of saying, you know, wow, I'm as good as Jordan Spieth. Why can't I do this? Uh, at the end of every year, he does a thorough examination of his year and, and really um, decides what he needs to work on. And if you take a look at him, he has improved in the offseason pretty much every year for the last five years. And he has pretty much improved every aspect of his game. Mm-hmm. Uh, wedge play uh, a couple of years ago improved dramatically over the offseason. He's, he's driven the ball further because of some changes in in launch angles and the things that he's doing there, the way he uses the ground to launch the ball and get his power. Um, getting the number one in the world, Travis, is a difficult thing, and it's just going to get harder and harder. I I don't see a dominant number one player again, probably in, in my lifetime. I don't know. I suppose it could happen. Uh, I certainly don't think you're ever going to have a big three like we had Nicholas Player and Palmer. That's mm-hmm. never going to happen where you got three guys that distance themselves from everybody else. If you take a look at the players in this field alone, you've got eight of the nine uh, top players in the official world golf rankings here. Any one of those guys could become number one. Um, again, uh, Dustin Johnson's got it right now. Is he the best player in the world? I think he is, but I, you know, there's a lot of days I can make an argument that Justin Thomas is the best player in the world. His putting is streaky. I, I think it's improving. Um, but just keep going. Don't change the course too much. I really like the way he goes about it. I love his relationship with his dad as, as an instructor. Um, it's, it's a very healthy kind of relationship. The dad doesn't suffocate him. Like I see some dads mm. suffocate other guys uh, and some coaches suffocate other players. I, I really like the relationship between Justin and Mike. Yeah, I've always thought Justin has managed his game beautifully. You, you make a great point. He's improved every single year. Um, the, the wedge game, just huge improvement. I, I don't think there's a player that I, I like watching more hit an off-speed approach wedge shot than JT. It almost looks slow motion sometimes. Um, Doesn't <laughs> you think about it, the, the, the year that he said at the end of the year, I'm going to get better. It was like within three months he came out and hit that shot in Mexico mm. that he hoped on the final hole. And then he hit the one at PGA national um, down in Florida, you know, on the final hole, I, those, those were wet shots that I'm not sure he had in his bag a year earlier before that. No. Um, and uh, yeah, he, he has just gotten better and better. Yeah. I spoke to his, um, he, you know, he has a new putting coach. It's called, his name is John Graham, who I know, you're, you're aware of John. He's out there, works with a lot of players. And John came on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And I was asking him specifically, when you take a player like Justin Thomas, who obviously is doing so many things at an extremely high level, and you start getting in, digging in with his putting specifically to improve, what is it? And he made some interesting points, Mark. He talked about being able to quantify the differences between when he's putting really, really well versus when he's not. And, and for JT, I think diagnosing that big gap 
and understanding, you know, what are some of the small differences that are happening? So I think he's really set up some benchmarks similar to what JT did in controlling distances with his wedges to be able to understand um, some of his pacing and distance control um, with his putting. So it was, it was really interesting. And I think he's managed it beautifully. And after my conversation with John, I think, uh, I think he's really doing some good things with his putting. So it'll be, I, I'm, I'm fascinated to watch JT here, 13 wins, a major 27 years of age, you know, where he goes this year. Another guy that's 27 that I want to ask you about who has four wins and is number six in the world is Xander Schauffele. And I think sometimes you talk to people in golf, they think, oh yeah, JT and Xander, they're kind of, you know, they're kind of the same level. It's like, wait a minute, like, you know, they're both 27. <laughs> JT's got 13 wins. And Xander has four. I look at Xander, um, who won here in 2019. This guy's got no weaknesses, Mark. You look at him statistically, and it is it is incredibly impressive. Every club in his bag, I mean, you'd have to look really, really hard, dig deep to find something statistically that might stand out as even a potential weakness. Are we... Getting to the point you think with Xander, who didn't win last year, and he's had some really good finishes in major championships. Are we just in kind of a waiting game here, do you think, with Xander and some chips fall his way where we might see him take this win total now to seven or eight and a major championship over the next two years? Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Um you know, your point about chips falling a certain way is really a good one. Winning on the PGA Tour is really hard. Uh, and you have to have a lot of things go your way to win any tournament, any week on the PGA Tour. If you think about the Century Tournament of Champions last year and those two guys that we're talking about, Shoffley and Thomas, I don't think there's any way Justin Thomas should have won that tournament. Mm-hmm. He played that 18th hole three times in an hour. Um, he hit three approach fairway medals. Uh, one of them he topped. One of them he pulled into the penalty area on the left, and one of them he kind of popped up. And he still won. <laughs> Xander Shoffley three putt 18th green twice within a half an hour. Xander Shoffley, that was his tournament to win. Yeah. And it didn't happen. And, you know, that could have changed the year so dramatically, mm -hmm. I think. Um, it, it, it's not luck. You know, it's, it's timing. It's, it's circumstances. There's just a, a lot of things that have to go right to win a tournament. But I, I think this could be a big year for Shoffley. Um, you know, I, I, I look at, um, geez, I look at Torrey Pines, the U.S. Open. Wow. That just seems perfect for me, for Shoffley. Mm. Uh, but then again, I thought Wingfoot was the worst fit for DeChambeau I'd ever seen. So <laughs> <laughs> who knows what I know about the U.S. Yeah, it just seems like the times now, doesn't it, with Xander? You know, and that his game is bubbling up. There's no weaknesses. Um, he was 17th at the Masters, 5th at the U.S. Open you know, second at the tour champ, although he played the best. If he could play every tournament at East Lake and Kapalua, the guy would probably have a dozen wins right now. And then, you know, you go further back and, you know, he was second at the WGC there, the HSBC, 
and then third at the U.S. Open back in 19. So, you know, it's it's there. You know, there isn't a second at the Masters. So there, it's it's bubbling up. You could kind of see this coming with JT, and I think they're the same age now. I think Xander, if some things can fall his way, I think a multiple win season isn't out of the question. And another guy that's in the field, number two in the world, John Rahm. And I want to ask you about this as it just came out. Just switched his equipment course uh, with Taylor made for a long time now with Callaway. When you hear this kind of stuff, we know why this stuff happens. Uh, Mark, you know, when guys at this level switch, Justin Rose, not too long ago was the number one player in the world made the change. And I mean, frankly, just kind of disappeared, you know, from, I uh, did a lot of commercials, but disappeared from the first page of the leaderboards. He has since moved back now. And now here's Rom got the number one in the world switching every club in his bag, going to a different vendor. Do you get concerned when you, when you see this kind of stuff with this level of player as John Rom? Yeah, I do. Um, you just said, we understand why it happens. I don't, I, I mean, I, I guess I understand it to the point where there's a lot of money involved mm-hmm. and maybe he likes the equipment, but I, you know, it's interesting. I, I started with this whole equipment chasing way, right before you were on this earth, all the way back to the Corey Pavin days after he won at Shinnecock in the U.S. Open, and and he switched to these PRGR clubs, uh, New Zealand or Australia or somewhere they were. Uh, you know, he was a Cleveland guy forever, and um, I think he did it for $250,000 back then and, and never played decently after that. Um, hey, he played decently, but not, not the way he was. I don't understand as a, as a percentage of your overall income, the equipment you play is very small. How much money do you think John Rahm makes a year, Travis? I mean, he probably, <laughs> is he a $20 million yeah, a year guy? Uh, that's that's where I was going to go. 20 to 25. Okay. 20, 25 million. And uh, what, what's the Callaway deal? Is that a $5 million deal? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, all right. So that's 20% of his income. Uh, yet, the way he plays accounts for all of his income. So to me, if I'm looking at $20 million as opposed to 5 million, I'm going to say, I'm going to play with the best clubs. I have clubs that are really working. Now, if he believes that the Callaways are better than the Taylor Macy was using. Okay. Maybe, but I, I don't know. I've seen, I've seen it too many times. Bubba Watson, think about him going yep. to a Volt golf ball. Yep. You know, like that, that was a million dollar deal, I think, as a percentage of his income. That was that was probably ten percent or less of his income, and it didn't work, and, and it affected his overall income. So I don't know. I I, I don't like to change myself. Yeah. Gosh, I remember when Justin Rose did it, you know, from TaylorMade to Homa, and I just I just sat there and I was like, man, I just I don't. This doesn't make sense at all, you know, to to switch every club in your bag like this and. You know, there's been examples, I'm sure, um, if we talk long enough, that, that it, you know, it has panned out, you know, but a driver here, irons, whatever. But, man, every club in your bag, that's a that's a big change. There's certainly going to be a learning curve there, and I'm fascinated to when guys do it to this level like Rom is doing it, you know, hey, social media, they're making a big – he just shot 59 with his new clubs. We'll, we'll see how um, how things pan out with equipment. Uh, another guy that I want to ask you about, Mark, who you've been covering for a long time and, and certainly one of my 
favorite players to, to watch out there. Rory McIlroy, who elected not to play uh, this week. You know, no one was affected at the top level of the game from COVID when it hit than Rory. Rory people forget Rory was absolutely rolling before COVID hit. He was playing some exceptional golf. He teed up. He was in the top five every single time, clipping off some wins. Came back, couldn't get the couldn't get the engine started, couldn't get excited. I think that happened to a lot of players out there. There's no fans. We're seeing it across every sport. It's just it's a, the atmosphere is dead, and that self motivation. It's hard to get up. Rory struggled from that. We know he had a kid. A lot of things happening. What do you expect from Rory this year? He's going to come back. I think to me is 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 probably up there at the top of the list. In, in the most interesting to what we're going to see from Rory McIlroy this year. What do you expect? I think we're going to see pretty much um, the same thing. I think we'll see stretches for McIlroy where he plays great. I, I can still make the argument that when he is at his best, Rory is the best. But he views the game completely differently than than nearly every other player at the top of the world rankings. Uh, and I don't really think Rory cares that much about whether or not he is the number one player in the world. He's just not going to play a schedule that is going to probably allow him to do that. He's got a lot of things he likes to do in his life besides play golf. And that's always the way it's going to be. I think he'll always be a very streaky uh, player. I think he'll have some real peaks. I think he'll have some valleys. Um the problem I see for McElroy is he just is putting so much pressure on himself to start the events when he's playing in them now. He, he's just getting off to terrible starts pretty much every time. You know, the, the ultimate was when he hit it out of bounds off the first tee at the Open Championship at Portrush. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and just got behind the eight ball over there. He did the same thing at the Masters this year. Um he, he does it a lot. It seems like um, if he's going to play sporadically, you know, off and on, he'll go in stretches where he'll play a lot of tournaments and then kind of disappear for a while and do his thing. He's got to get himself ready. So when that first tee shot happens on a Thursday morning, which is completely different than Sunday afternoon, he's ready to go. He just doesn't seem to get off to a decent start that often anymore. So peak Rory focused Rory. A plus game Rory better than A plus game DJ. <laughs> I, well, close one. I think I think McElroy is the best driver in the world. I really do. Dustin is a good driver, but if you look at Plantation Course last year, where he didn't finish in the top five, he had, Dustin actually had the best putting week at the time that he had ever had on the PGA Tour yeah. on New Green been renovated he had the best putting week of his career and he didn't finish in the top five mm. uh, because he did i think five balls out of play last week uh mcelroy is just a phenomenal driver, and i think as his driver goes so goes the rest of the game he does have a weakness you know you look you talk about shoffley who's got no weaknesses mcelroy's got one in it's those short irons mcelroy's not the kind of guy it's going to do what Dustin did. Dustin had a weakness with his short irons, and he and Butch Herman sat down and and uh, and clawed, and and they basically said, "What are we going to do? How are we going to fix this?" And he spent an entire off season. It's been three years now, I guess, where he totally changed the way he approached short iron play. Mm. And 
went from being one of the absolute worst short iron players to absolutely one of the best now. That is the strength of his game, short iron play. I don't know that I see McElroy doing something like that, but he needs a drastic change, I think, with his short irons because he can hit that occasional uh, really bad one. Yeah. Uh, really bad one. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, that's a, it's, it's interesting to say someone of the skill of Rory, right, who can just overwhelm a golf course and overtake it, dominate it with distance off the tee, and then yet you put a wedge in his hand from 127, and it's like that's a weakness. And he does hit a lot of really subpar wedge shots. That's a good segue here into this this last segment. We're going to have a little fun here, a little head-to-head for the season, uh, Mark. I'm going to give you some matchups here. Some Most of these guys are in the field this week at the Century Tournament of Champions, but we're going to look big picture here this year. Who has the better seasons? All right, here we go. Number one, we're going Bash Brothers off the tee here. Bryson versus Dustin Johnson. Bryson DeChambeau versus Dustin Johnson. Who has the better 2021 calendar year? Dustin Johnson. I don't know. I, I think Bryson has got so much to handle now, you know, with with his whole style of play and everything that's going on. I really felt like he was at a disadvantage at the Masters in November. There was so much talk about whether he was going to use the 48-inch driver or not use the 48-inch driver. And I, I think it, it encumbered him in terms of his ability to prepare to actually go win the Masters. You know, it was almost like that decision became more important than than anything else. And um, I, I don't know. I think I think he's got a lot that he's carrying with this whole transition that he's made. Dustin doesn't. Um, Dustin, you know, can't remember what he did at Kapalua last year hardly, or <laughs> probably doesn't want to. So uh, um, I'm I'm going to go with Johnson there. Is it fair to say with Bryson, his greatest opportunity right now in his game is to just be less emotional when things don't add up, right? When things, because when they add up and he's going and he's hitting the driver and he's solid with the putter, like we know Bryson can win and dominate as we saw at Wingfoot, but his opportunity is when it doesn't add up, the equation doesn't add up to show some resolve and maturity. Is that fair to say that's his greatest opportunity heading into the season? Yeah, I, I think that's important. Um, I think that's one of the things that really has helped John Rahm's game, if you think mm. about that. Um, you know, I think he's matured a lot as a person, and there's a lot of different reasons that he has, um, and I think it's been good, and it's showed in, in the way he's played. And uh, Bryson is getting there. Um, you know, there's still situations where I think it's it's a little difficult for Bryson. I, I don't think he's as good at, on uneven lies mm. as some players. I'm not sure whether or not that's because of the equipment or the style of the way he plays or whatever. But, um, uh, you know, I think, I think he's going to have to take this whole scientific approach and somehow figure out still how to have a little more creativity to it. All right. Matchup number two, better season this year, Victor Hovland versus Webb Simpson, both in the field this week. Uh, you're asking an older guy here. So, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with Simpson. I knew it. Uh, yeah, you knew that, didn't you? Uh, you know, he's got no weaknesses in his game. I still think Victor, as great a player as he is, has a little bit of a weakness around the greens. 
uh, that he's trying hard to overcome, and I think he will. But Simpson has just um, become so steady and so good, and the big events uh, coming up this year, I expect to see him in contention, if not win one. Uh, he, he could win a U.S. Open. I said Shoffley, uh, I thought, um, was, was a good fit for Tory. I think Simpson will be, too. Um, you know, he's become a really good driver, I think. Uh, yeah. Very, very good. He doesn't hit a long way, but um, I'll go with uh, the older guy there. Yeah, that's an interesting one. You know, Victor versus Webb. And, and Victor, certainly the, the troublesome around the greens um, with the wedge play. He seems to be going after a little distance. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Victor come out this year plus eight to 10 yards um, longer off of the tee, but yard for yard. I mean, Webb Simpson could be the best player on the planet. All right, number three, get you thinking here a little bit. Scotty Scheffler versus Matthew Wolf. Better 2021 season. Wow, that one is a hard one. <laughs> uh, I'm really high on both of those guys. I'm really high on both of those guys. Um, it is a coin flip. I mean, both guys, to me, I think, I don't want to say they surprised me. Scheffler surprised me a little bit more than, than, than Wolf, just in how well he played and just how much he just looked like he's been doing this for 20 years with this stride out there in the fairways and, you know, just bombing his driver down there and finishing what felt like top 10 every single week. And then, and then Wolf, a couple top fours in these major championships showed the consistency. They, they were impressive. They, they were very impressive, both of those guys. And, you know, can they keep it going now this season? Yeah, if I had to pick a player in that group that I think would have a better chance to win a major championship, okay. which would lead to having a better season, I think I'd probably take Wolf. So I, I guess in a real close one, I'll go with Wolf there. Matthew Wolf, it is. I'm, I'm writing this down. All right, so number four. Here's another tough one for you. Scheffler, Wolf had good seasons last year. These next two, not. Good seasons for them. Ricky Fowler versus Jordan Spieth. Better 2021 campaign. <laughs> this one might even be harder. <laughs> uh, both good friends. I, I love them both. Both are heartbroken. They're not at Kapalua this year. It just seems unbelievable to me. It does. The Fowler and Jordan Spieth aren't in this field. And um, you know, we, we have every year, these little get togethers out here, we have a place down on the beach called the cliff house where we snorkel and jump off the cliffs and fish and, and Fowler and speed. are always right, right there in the middle of all that. I, I can't imagine what it's going to be like for those two watching this thing on TV. Um, I've got a hunch about speed. So I'm going to go with speed on this one. Um, uh, I don't know whether he's going to make any significant changes in, in the uh, people around him or the way he approaches things. But um, I do know that he's taken some time this fall and winter to kind of really assess sort of what he's doing. And I, I don't know. I, I've got a hunch he's going to come out. Uh, he's shown some signs. He's starting to putt better again. He 
Jordan Spieth is the natural, Travis. He's the original natural. And I really feel like he got away from being that type of a player and he became quite mechanical, uh, mm-hmm. particularly with his putting. Um, and, and I just want to see him go out and play golf. And I, and I hope, I think he probably has watched a lot of tape of when he was playing great. Um, and it wasn't so much the shots he was hitting or the putts he was holding, but it was his attitude and the way he looked on the course and he smiled all the time and he enjoyed the game. And it wasn't this, this big hassle and constant conflict and grind. And, um, I think if Jordan comes out, you know, and, and really enjoys and embraces kind of a new start, which I think he's going to be able to have this year, I'm expecting him to have a pretty good year. Yeah, you don't, you don't lose the genius, right? I mean, Spieth is a genius at playing the game. What we saw when he came out winning three major championships. Now he, he lost his confidence. And as you said, technical with this putting chasing distance, it all fell apart and it crumbled. And now he's trying to put it back together. And it does. I think I agree. His short game looks the part. And even when I see him struggle with his ball striking, he can still score like the genius is there. And he can put together a two under when it looks like he's shooting 80. Um, Rumor has it. He's, he has seeked advice from some others, which I think is a good move. And I'm really curious to see what he looks like um, in particular with the driver in his hand. I think I'm a little concerned about Fowler. I'll be honest. You know, I, I I think he's making some really wholesale changes um, in his game, you know, technically, a year into it, his stats weren't great. So we'll see if he can take that to the golf course. But both guys, man, not in Hawaii this year. Times have changed. Last one, I'm going to throw one more at you. Two guys you've been following for a long time. Better season, Tiger or Phil? Tiger or Phil? If I ask Better. tough questions here on Stripe Show. Yeah, you do. <laughs> You know, that, that, that's a hard one only because it's relative. Phil's going to play, you know, yeah. Phil plays 20 and Tiger plays eight, you know, effect, effectively. Uh, to, you know, Tiger's got a tougher chance of having a better season. Uh, if I had to say who's got a better chance of winning a major next year, I think I would say Tiger. There you go. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I expect both of them to have – uh, good years, you know, people have been talking about Tiger. Is this the end? I don't think it is yet. Um, I think he's got a couple more really good years ahead of him. I think Phil's going to have to make a decision. I don't think it'll do him any good going back and forth to the PJ tour champions mm. and coming back out on the PJ tour. It's just such a different style of game and golf courses are set up so differently that, yeah, he may go win everywhere there, but Phil knows how to win. He doesn't need to be taught how to win golf tournaments at this stage of his career. He needs to be fresh and ready to go at the big events. Uh, so I think he's going to have to make a decision there, but I, I'd probably lean toward Tiger. Then. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I'm at too. I think Tiger's game, he certainly has the better chance to, to win the big tournament. Well, I know you're a busy man. People are uh, calling you. This is a big week for you there in your backyard, back-to-back tournaments in Hawaii. I can't thank you enough, uh, Mark, for, um, coming on the podcast and I know we'll be seeing your face on NBC golf channel for years to come. And I look forward to that. Yeah. You'll be sick of me three weeks from now. Cause <laughs> you're going to be hearing about things other than golf, like <laughs> and 
and you name it. Hey, Mark, thanks so much. Have a great week there at uh, Kapalua. You got it, Travis. Okay. Let's take a second to talk about the guys and girls over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation of having the most cutting-edge technology in their golf balls that the industry has seen in quite some time. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is changing the script of golf technology through the perimeter-weighted designs, use of high-density particles, and even a nano-transitional layer in their latest creation, which offers players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course and extreme velocity off the tee. They already have their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, but the new Vero X1 is the highest performance ball to date with their full suit of golf balls. They are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com slash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast. 